0: Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. All right, well, let's This thing off. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Kirstie Boyle, Director and Market Development at Interface Fluids. Kirstie, how are you doing today?
1: Excellent. How are you doing?
0: Awesome. Better now that I'm sitting across a fellow Canadian. (laughs) That was exciting. When I found out we were going to be recording, you know, of course, I do my research, look up on LinkedIn, and I see you're from Calgary, and you know, you. You've obviously made your way into the US with the company you're working with. And so that's super exciting. I always like talking with Canadians because there's, there's always like some little, you know, insight that we can talk about that we can relate to. So, and then from what I understand, you're flying out right after this, right?
1: Exactly. Back to Calgary.
0: Holy smoke. So, how long were you here for?
1: Here since Monday night.
0: Monday. So, just grinding the whole week and back for the weekend.
1: Always. Yeah. On the hustle.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool because you brought your crew too, right? Yeah. So, Yeah, it was kind of like Christy had her entourage. I felt like, you know, (laughs) like I'm interviewing someone from Hollywood. You had like four people with her coming in, all dressed up, real nice, like, and like, holy smokes, this is big time. So yeah, you're in for a good one here. I I can just, I can promise you. Before we get going, this episode is fueled by Perfect Keto, whether you're on a keto diet or just simply looking for a healthy snack alternative, the resource would be perfectketo.com. They offer it all, especially, you know, the reason I like this stuff actually is because when I'm on the road. Being that it's a keto-style snack, it doesn't have much, you know, stuff in there to spike blood sugar, which causes that afternoon crash. So, anyway, if you're looking for a healthy alternative, hit up perfectketo.com. And a big shout-out to Elizabeth Camry. She is the one who introduced us, Mm -hmm. right? So, how do you know Elizabeth?
1: So, we work together. She's a customer of Interface Fluidics. And... Definitely someone that I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last few years. She's, I think, truly an innovator in the space for for chemicals and for oil field services. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I know it's great working with her.
0: Nice. So how long have you been working with her?
1: Over a year now.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. So do you come to Houston often then?
1: I do. I'm down here almost 50% of the time. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So work visa, I'm assuming. And are you, I mean, if you could try and get your green card. That's the way to do it because then you're not stopped at the board. The only reason I say that is because I had a struggle because being from Canada, you know, going to and from and I don't know what it is, but the customs people in the Calgary airport are tough. Like, I mean, I've maybe not now. And obviously, you're, you know, better looking than myself. So you probably get (laughs) through quite easily. But yeah, every time I would go from Calgary into at the time I was going to Pennsylvania a lot, they stopped me for like sometimes 15, 20 minutes and it would just grill me. And like I had all the paperwork. So yeah, and then you know, fortunately, I got my green card. So now I'm, you know, I can walk confidently up to there and show it to them, and they're like, "Welcome home, sir." Thank you. <laughs> and I'm actually getting my citizenship, so pretty excited about that. Not to go off on a tangent mm, about that, Congratulations. yeah, it's a big deal down here. I was like, I get to vote. This is exciting. I can contribute. So anyway, are yeah. you still
1: gonna keep your Canadian citizenship though?
0: Right, I'm gonna try. Yeah. You know, there's there's laws around that. So apparently, when you're in the U.S., they the United States doesn't like you having dual citizenship. They if you're a, an American citizen, they make you denounce your whatever citizenship you are before that. So there's things that I have to follow, and of course, I'll abide by the law. But. Deep down, I'm a, I'm a Canadian and I don't think in Canada, like once a Canadian, you're always a Canadian. So there's some kind of weird gray area, but you know, I'll certainly follow the rules and make sure I don't get myself into trouble with the, you know, with the government. Cause they will find you any way they can anyway. So another Calgarian, you know, and you've been down here since you've been down here. Have you been able to go to like a football or a baseball game?
1: No, we what? almost went to a baseball game last night, but, uh, haven't yet.
0: Oh, you need to I mean the Astros are kicking butt and I don't oh, yeah. know if you're a baseball fan but the Astros over the last five or six years have been just killing the game so cool. and it's a it's a good experience it's fun and you know it's you know back in Calgary I mean would it, there you know you can only go to a hockey game which the stadiums not much and then you go to the Calgary Stampede's football and Again, it's like worse than a high school football stadium here. So, <laughs> you, you know, you get spoiled when you come here. So, if you get to you get the opportunity, definitely try and get to an Astros game. And they're going to be in the playoffs here soon. So, you may luck out and actually get one of the better games. So. I encourage you to try that.
1: All right, I'll put that on the schedule.
0: Nice, nice. So you said you've been on a podcast before?
1: I have. What? Yeah. So Which this one? is my second one. Whoa! Uh, so
0: you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna knock it out of the park. An expert now. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Anyone who claims to be an expert, I always kind of raise my eyebrows. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the audience judge that one.
1: <laughs> so yeah. The other one was it was an innovation and transformation based one. In Very Alberta. interesting.
0: Okay. So what's we'll put a plug in there. So what was what's it called? Do you know? If not, we'll put a link in the show notes. That's fine. Okay, you can figure it we'll out after because yeah, no worries. So because if people are more interested on in what you have to say, they you know they probably be co- interested in listening to that one. So we'll find it and then I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. Well, before we get going, let's take a quick break. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, good or bad. Also, if you feel like you have a good story or just an idea for a show, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always on there. Today's review comes from Lauren Sell from the United States of America, wherever that is. She said, I'm assuming it's a she, it might be a he. The part where she's talking about not knowing where to park when you pull on location for the first time is a hundred percent true. I love this and this is so relatable. And what she's referring to is I interviewed the ladies off flip in the barrel last week, Jamie and Macy, and you know, they're two leaders in the oil field, two females that have done extremely well, and we were laughing because when you pull up on location on a drilling rig, and both of them are, you know, have worked, you know, around drilling rigs quite a bit, there's a little bit of parking etiquette. So I'm assuming this young lady or gentleman has experienced that so uh, but I appreciate the love she gave me or he gave me a five star review so thank you for the for all the support so anyway Kirsty enough about that let's get talking about you. Tell me a little bit about your background leading up to a couple of Canadians sitting behind the mic in Houston, Texas.
1: <laughs> okay. How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> how far are you
0: back? I mean, if you remember, you know, crawling, we can start there because <laughs> everything you've done up until this point has made you who you are and successful at that. So, how you know, just give us a rundown, you know, kind of where you were raised and what ended up, you know, happening after school and... yeah. You know. How I was
1: I was an early walker.
0: Okay, no I, very nice. Told? Nice, nice. Well, my son needs to take some tips cuz he's not doing anything and he's almost 10 months. He blows spit bubbles and that's about it.
1: Oh, that's a success though. Yeah,
0: yeah, him and I have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, so yeah, you- Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> so, born and raised in Vancouver, up in Canada. Nice. And then lived in Toronto for a short time, and then moved out to Calgary for my undergrad in biological sciences at the university there. Nice. Um, university of Calgary? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then from there, went into healthcare, and then realized I wanted to make a change in my career. Why is that? I'm not sure. I just, you know, when you kind of have that feeling, and, you know, this isn't doesn't feel right, and... Let's explore other options. So okay. what I did was I went and did my MBA also at the University of Calgary. Wow. Haskins School of Business. And I specialized in global energy management and sustainable development. Wow. Long, to, long with MBA. Yeah, no, um, that's
0: impressive. So and curious because there's a lot of young listeners out there that are, you know, in college and university and and there's always question of like, should I pursue an MBA? And so I'd like to hear your thoughts on like what, what really pushed you to pursue that. And is it something that's helped you in your career? Would you recommend it? Like any kind of tips you can help out the young listeners?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can only speak from my experience and I found it very valuable for me. I knew I wanted to change and I thought an MBA was a really great avenue to just expand my knowledge of what careers existed out there and, and to gain some more knowledge. And so for me, I had a science degree. And so an MBA... Was eye-opening. It was actually quite intimidating walking in the first day, and yeah. I was actually one of the youngest in my cohort. And everyone else had, you know, twenty years business experience, and you know they all seemed to know the business language. So things like a SWOT analysis, which is a standard in business, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what you know a stock was. I didn't know what a board of directors was. So I'm right. sitting, you know, nodding along, googling madly on my <laughs> cell phone underneath yeah. the desk, <laughs> trying no to point. catch up. But because of that, I think I got an extreme amount of value out of it um, because I had a lot to learn and it was a crash course in business, but at a really high strategic level. And then from that, that propelled me into my latest career. So I went from that to management consulting Mm -hmm. and I did that for four years. And my focus in that, it was a boutique firm up in Calgary and we focused on technology commercialization.
0: And was that she Geek by any chance? Or what was that?
1: No. So she Geek is a great nonprofit supporting women in technology and entrepreneurship. And so I was okay. on the board of directors for that as, as a volunteer.
0: Okay. Sorry. Sure, then back up. Because for yeah. some reason, I, I saw that on your link. I was like, that's super cool. So I want to actually ask you more about that. But go ahead. I'll let you finish your story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the consulting firm was called Uncommon Innovation. Okay. And so I, I had the opportunity to work with incredible entrepreneurs, you know, could be from an idea pre-revenue all the way to having some traction and some big customers to you know one of the largest directional drilling companies based in calgary that wanted clarity in their messaging and wow. to launch new new product lines
0: are you able to disclose who that was
1: i'm not sure maybe i'll okay. be careful yeah that.
0: no that's cool i'm just curious because i know there's a lot of canadian companies down here so i was curious if I, if one would relate but nonetheless so it sounds like you got some really neat experience, and so you had you like you said the, the science background, and then you tied it into the business background. I mean, kind of the full package.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been really valuable because I can kind of I like, like to say a lot that I'm a translator. I take what, especially in, in my current role, what are really smart PhDs that are highly specialized in microfluidics and reservoir engineering, mm-hmm. and I translate that into what the market cares about.
0: Wow. That's that's super cool. So, what so career path wise, what led you up into to the fluid, I'm sorry, I forget the name again, interface fluidics. What yeah, what led you into to getting into this role?
1: Yeah, so it actually, I mean, everything kind of Careers always go in different paths, but I ended up meeting them because they were a client of mine at Uncommon Innovation. And so there were the three founders and they were all gainfully employed in oil and gas. And they came and they said, we have this idea for a technology. We want to, it's been developed for five years at the University of Toronto. I have to be careful. I always say U of T, but U of T means something different here yeah, in Texas. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it does, right? Yeah, you have
0: to actually like say it out loud because people are like, what?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Toronto up in Canada. Yeah. And so worked with them and I did a market assessment, started talking to the market about the technology they had. And it was an overwhelming response. It was the most positive assessment I did in my four years and, you know, I told them it was back when oil prices were pretty low. So I think oil prices were $26 a barrel. And I said, quit your jobs and start this company because yeah. the world needs this technology.
0: Wow. Yeah. That is super cool. So then let's dive into it. So what do you guys offer and, and tell us a little bit about the unique technology that's, that's out there for the market?
1: Sure. So Interface Fluidics, we're an oil field lab services company. Okay. But we don't do a single lab test that you would think of. Everything we do is on our nanotechnology platform.
0: Wow. So yeah. what is nanotechnology?
1: It's a buzzword that doesn't mean much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we love buzzwords in the oil field. So yeah. I we also do like a bit it. of
1: machine vision, machine learning, AI. But people don't care about the tech. They care about what they can do with the tech.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. So so operators, they engage us for our services where we'll take the reservoir information. We'll use that to create an analog. So create synthetic core and then oh. we flow through their fluids their oil their water their and then we use that to help them optimize the frac fluids that they're putting down hole or EOR or to understand their the reservoir fluids so that they can increase oil recovery because as we know you know in some places especially with this tight shale that we're after mm-hmm. you're getting 5 to 10%. So if you can optimize your fluids and get that extra 1% and in many cases it's much higher than that. We are that platform to do that.
0: Wow. So by doing what you're doing, your deliverables would be something to the effect of like if you pump X at this rate you may get more reservoir or what, or more oil and gas like, or how, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so so we will run the tests at whatever, A, B, C, D, surfactant, or nanoparticle, or any kind of flowback aid, aid. Okay. And then, you know, one GPT, two GPT, whatever the, the customer is asking for. Mm-hmm. And then we'll return a report that specifies this test case recovered 222% more oil compared to a control without any chemical in it. Wow. Yeah. But then we leave it to the engineers to make those decisions because there's a bunch of other factors that play into it, like economics and availability.
0: Of course. So how long has it been since you guys have deployed this type of technology?
1: So we founded the company in 2015, but then the founders pursued it full-time, quitting their jobs in 2016. So we've been around for about three years.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And so I would imagine by this point, with all the traction you've been getting and speaking and being on the front of JPT, I believe mm-hmm. you guys were featured, right? Like, we were in that's, January. Yeah, that's huge. So obviously you've been able to quantify the value and people are seeing the results. And I guess in something like that, is, is there a pretty big margin of error that you have to account for? Or is it like what you've seen pretty accurate?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're, our business is based on this data being very insightful and accurate and helpful so that when the operators trust that, to make a decision they're getting that better outcome in the field
0: of course so i read an article actually yesterday that you guys raised raised six million dollars for your you know your disruptive oil recovery technology and that's huge so tell us a little bit more about that and, and kind of how that's going to shift or you know allow you guys to move forward
1: yeah no we're we're so excited about that we just announced it
0: yeah that's uh, insane
1: yeah and and it's incredible the backers we have so it's co-led by equinor and Techstars. Okay. And then participation with uh, Phase Ventures which is out of Oman.
0: Okay. Holy yeah. smoke. So what is that going to allow you guys to do?
1: So really one of the biggest challenges for us is is scaling up. And so we've had overwhelming customer demand, mm-hmm. lots of projects coming in the door. So this funding is going to allow us to scale rapidly, expand our equipment so that we can meet expand our capacity. And deliver services faster to our customers.
0: Excellent. No, when you when you're able to scale at, at, at that type of rate and have the the backing for it and the confidence obviously from the investors, it's exciting. And I mean, how many people even work at Fluidix?
1: Yeah. So so when I started it almost two years ago, I was employee number five. Okay. And now we're we just hit thirty and okay. that's that number is going up high. So on my team alone, you you spoke about my, <laughs> my
0: entourage. You're in entourage. <laughs> <Chrissy's underage>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
1: I just hired 3 3 new people to my team that started last week so Very uh, cool. two two of those are are with me and then of course uh, one of my other
0: Nice. Associates. well I mean it's a cool company because yeah like you know the folks get hired and within a week they're down here in Houston beating the streets so them in. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm sure they're going to do great, especially, you know, young ear Canadians like ourselves, we we tend to do a good job. So, I'm slightly biased, but <laughs> you know, just with what you guys have accomplished so far, it's 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 extremely exciting. Tell us a little bit more. We mentioned it, but the J- uh, how you guys were featured in JPT was that? How did that come about? I mean, did they reach out to you, or how did that work?
1: Yeah, no, JPT. It's it's a great publication. It it really is the pinnacle for us. Okay. So so we got to work with with the team over there. They got to know us for, for a long time over the year, seeing us speaking at events. They did a lot of due diligence, talking to a lot of our customers, talking to the market about what they thought about us. And then they don't actually tell you that you get the cover. Oh, So you really? just get to find out. So every month on the first of the month, I was checking and refreshing the screen on the digital copy to see who's on the cover. And of course, Jan 1, that was a really great surprise over the holidays.
0: Cool. So with JPT, and you'll have to refresh my memory, but is that a paid subscription or can anyone go check? I mean, the cover they'll be able to check out, but With being a feature, did I'm sure with somewhere's in that issue there was you know it talked about your guys company and what you offer and stuff like that. Is that something that people can access if they're interested, or is it a paid subscription?
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe it's online and paid, but to get the magazine copy, which may have more detail, I'm not sure. It's for members of the Society of Petroleum Engineers, which is a a very small fee per year. It's a phenomenal organization. It's for us, we've really tapped into the community with. SPE and find it highly valuable.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're also you're going to be a keynote speaker coming up soon, aren't you?
1: Mm-hmm. Where's that going to be? It's going to be in Calgary. It's an event surrounding ATCE, so the annual technical conference for the Society of Petroleum Engineers. Really exciting. First time it's been in Calgary. Every four years, I guess it rotates and they're somewhere international. So it's done like Florence, Italy and this year the international exotic location is Calgary.
0: Nice. We're
1: excited to host it in the city.
0: Close to home and hopefully all your friends and family can come and watch you, and, you know, get on stage and get after it.
1: I don't know about that. No. <laughs> it's a, it's pretty it's it's pretty specialized. They they might not find it too interesting.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> you, you know, some people like to support, so you never know. Okay. Are you do you like public speaking?
1: I really enjoy the platform because so much of what we do is just educating the market. We're we're problem solvers and want to let everyone know that that this technology exists and this is how operators are using it today to make it more widely spread across the industry. So I I love the opportunity. Public speaking is definitely not something I I seek out or especially a natural at, but, but I recognize the importance of doing it.
0: Of course. No. And I'm sure all your peers and people within your space are certainly appreciated. And of course, you know, representing interface fluidics, you know, that's, that's huge for you guys. So, and you're also involved with, it's called women in hydraulic fracturing, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is that organization and and maybe explain how other women can get involved or be a part of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll send you the link to include this podcast, but it's something we're we're just starting up. We had a an event in Denver recently. So so it really is it's a subset of SPE. It's a group of passionate women and we're we're in hydraulic fracturing and and it's about kind of connecting all of us. So I'm heading up the Canadian chapter of that and really excited because I've really tapped into a lot of that network down here in the US, in Houston and in Denver and a little bit in Dallas, but in Calgary, actually, I know a lot of people in hydraulic fracturing. But I'm really excited to to find and meet more women in hydraulic fracturing.
0: Yeah, no, that's super cool. I'll have to connect you with Jamie and Macy next time you're in Houston. I'm sure they would love to have you on their podcast. So they they have a podcast and they interview you know women in the industry to talk about what they're doing, their journey, help sort of debunk some of the myths of a you know, traditionally male dominant industry. So, but nonetheless, just good ladies to know. So I'll have to make that connection and, you know, any way we can help, you know, that organization or that I can through this platform, we'll certainly do so.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, for everyone listening, I'm not sure when this will air, but check out that event uh, coming up for ATC.
0: Yeah. What's the date again?
1: October 1st.
0: October 1st. Yeah. So chances are it's going to be afterwards. But, <laughs> you know, if it happens again, but either way, we'll make note of it and, you know, people can check it out or some of the stuff that came from it would be certainly interesting for people, I'm sure. All right. So, Kirsty, I've actually was kind of thinking about it and we talked a little bit about the use of cores earlier in the conversation, but does the technology that you guys offer actually eliminate the use like, of historical or tr- traditionally grabbing cores out of the wellbore? I mean, does that make sense? Or are you guys gathering data in other means?
1: Yeah, I guess a complicated answer to that. So in terms of core, there's a few reasons you would take a core. One could be for a core flow test. In a, our testing, is very similar to a core flow test in terms of the procedure and how it's run. The main difference being instead of a core, we're swapping that out for our reservoir analog that we've actually created and fabricated. So, which allows us to be faster, repeatable, and precise, and actually get live videos of the pore-scale fluid flow for the first time ever.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Is anyone else doing anything like that? Because that I like, I've never heard of this.
1: So microfluidics has actually been around, microfluidics, the definition being micro-scale channels and fluids flowing through that. Okay. <laughs> so it's a complicated way of saying something very simple. Sure. And so it's been around for decades in the biomedical industry, if you look at diabetes test strips. So it's a proven technology. We've just adapted it for a new application oil and gas. So we are the first and only that I know that have offered this commercially at the scale that we're doing it at.
0: Wow, that's good. That's good. So to me, I would assume that things like AI and big data analytics play a pretty big role in this type of technology. Is that true? And can you kind of describe what that looks like if, if so?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So traditionally, when you do testing, you'll get a few sensor inputs few measurements. For us, in addition to that, we're also getting these high-res videos of the pore-scale fluid flow that haven't been seen before. So we're pioneering a new frontier of actually interpreting these videos. So with that, we actually hired a PhD astrophysicist. Wow. The reason being that he's really good at taking really grainy videos that look like blobs in the sky okay. and quantifying them. And so very similar, the, the study of the macro is very similar to the study of the micro. So he's huh. been taking these, these videos at the micro and nano scale and extracting really valuable information like contact angle, which is how do you, how does the fluids modify the wettability of the surface because you want it to be more water wet typically mm. so that the oil flows back faster.
0: Wow, that's so over my head. I mean, I have, have so many <laughs> questions, but I, the list would go on. And but it, it's so interesting, nonetheless. And I just love to see how innovative companies like yourselves are. And and I mean, essentially, the goal is always to you know, like there's always this is how much oil is in place, but this is how much technically we can get back. And so if we can constantly increase that percentage, that's just gonna you know help the industry as a whole. And, and you guys are certainly pioneering some of the, the most unique stuff that I've heard of in a long time. So I applaud you guys and the work that you're doing and just the traction you've gotten so far. It's extremely exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Well, maybe let me ask you this. Where where do you see this type of application or where do you see this technology in you know even five or eight years from now? Because it seems to me like that's, you know, how much more could you possibly do I mean, I guess as as more data you get, the more you can interpret it and, and do more with that. But like, where do you see this stuff in five to 10 years?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think I see it being a standard that is used on every single well.
0: Yeah. Across
1: the entire life cycle of a well, whether you're doing primary recovery, whether you're going in for EOR, Mm -hmm. whether it's hitting production and you're looking at flow assurance, trying to, trying to evaluate different inhibitors for paraffin or for scale or for asphaltines. And then all the way down to the end of the life cycle, looking at PVT data, which we're able to do under nano and micro confinement in our systems with much less sample and orders of magnitude faster than how things are currently being done today.
0: For sure. Making it a standard and everyone's winning. Exactly. Nice. Nice. Well, I have a question more on the personal level. It sounds like you guys have a pretty neat culture where you're at and just meeting the folks that you work with, just, you know, just great people. I mean, so what do you really like most about your current job?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you actually just hit on it. It's it's the people. It's the people I get to work with. I have a phenomenal team. And I say it all the time, but we really have incredible customers. Yeah. It's just especially this week, you know, having five days down here and getting to connect with all our customers. I, I'm always leaving so energized. There's so many innovators and creative thinkers and they're working on really complicated problems in the oil field. And it's just really exciting to be part of that solution.
0: No, that's awesome. Would you say, you know, with your current customers, do you feel like you're working for them or do would you consider it more of like a partnership?
1: Absolutely a partnership.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's more conducive for success and, and learning from each other, helping each other. And I and I see that kind of sort of the new way of the oil field, you know, traditionally, and, I, and I've been a part of this, you know. As a service company, we sometimes feel like we're, you know, third class citizens. And But more lately, it's interesting because a lot, even my customers, you know, that I have are more looking to me as being a partner and, and you know, creating solutions for the whole, you know, life cycle of the well versus just like, you know, we'll call you when we need you or when things go wrong, but they're engaging and they're asking for advice and you know, what do you think? And so it's really a collective effort to, to make the whole thing work. And so I certainly like to see that on, on your side of things too, which it sounds like it's happening. So it's just neat to see where the oil field's heading. Aside from that, I mean, do you have any daily routines or habits that keep you focused and motivated to keep working every single day? Because I, I would imagine with being in a startup, there's so much the, the list of things that you want to accomplish are probably from here to Calgary and it's you know how do you just keep yourself motivated without you know burning out I mean do you take personal time or do you drink a special tea in the morning I mean is there anything <laughs> kind of unique that you do to to help keep you dialed into what you have been doing
1: mm, that's a great question I definitely don't have any secrets to that and no. think I think in a startup you're right. There's so many things to do and it's just not humanly possible during the day yeah. no matter how much I'm growing my team. And so in startups I think you have to be just as proud of the things you say no to as the things you're saying yes
0: to. That's a huge nugget. I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's something I'm always focused on and sometimes there's things that are urgent. But actually, not important. So, learning to let go of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, interesting. So, what what's been the hardest thing to say no to that you can think of? Is there anything that comes to mind? And if not, that's okay. I know I kind of hit you out of the left field with that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the hardest things to say no to. Well, I'm always a joiner, and there's so many great things to to be a part of, and so. I sit on boards and and councils and with SPE, I'm, I'm heading, chairing up one of the sections and then involved as a member in the other. So my plate is definitely full. So it, it hurts every time I have to say no to something like that. that it's yeah. Like, oh, I really, could I make the time though? Yeah. And then, you know, I have to go back and, you know, chat with my family and no, <laughs> it's, uh, that would burn me out.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you have a long career ahead of you. And so you, you definitely don't want to burn yourself out just yet. No. You know, wait a few years, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, good for you. Is there anything about you that not many people know about? Do you have any hidden secrets you'd like to unleash to the podcast world? And it doesn't even have to be weird, but like any unique hobbies or anything you're interested in or anything that you do to unplug aside from oil and gas?
1: Sure. So I'm a huge dog lover, I have a, a golden retriever.
0: The fur baby.
1: Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. She's definitely the fur baby. I also have a son. He's two and a half. And okay. But a real baby as well. <laughs> yes. But yeah, with our, our fur baby, she's we a competitive jumper. So there's no this way. thing called dog jumping. What? You might have seen it on TV. I've
0: seen. So is that where they run around the little track and they jump over little objects and stuff?
1: So different than that. We tried her at that. She did not like that.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. She, yeah.
1: So this one is, it's a they bring in a big dock and a big pool. And so the dog dogs run off the dock and then you measure how far they can jump uh, no based way. from the base of their tail. What? Yeah. And some dogs they can jump really far.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Because like some dogs can jump over fences and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they're in the distance. It's something like I don't even. I'm not sure the record, but something around 30 feet. It's 20. Th- yeah. That's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. So
0: yeah. what's your dog's name? Zoe. Zoe. So what's Zoe's record?
1: Her record. She She just recently broke 20 feet 20 feet yeah yeah so she's a a little (laughs) all-star we've got all her first prize ribbons uh in our home so we're very proud of her she's a little athlete (laughs) go
0: zoe go yeah the record breaker for jumping into a pool for distance (laughs) i've never heard of that but that is super cool it's
1: it's a huge community i don't know if you've ever watched that movie best in show
0: i don't recall all
1: about the backstage drama of dog shows
0: oh my goodness i can just imagine yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) (laughs) that is hilarious well i appreciate you sharing that with us that that is definitely interesting and shout out to zoe for doing what she's doing that's amazing well look i'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about our upcoming events
2: Hey guys, we have a couple of OGGN events on deck for the next month. OGGN's next Houston Happy Hour will be on October 29th at the Cannon from 4 to 6. As always, a portion of the proceeds will go toward Redeem Ministries to fight human sex trafficking. At this Happy Hour, we will be discussing the process of taking a startup from simply an idea to obtaining the first purchase orders. The panel discussion will include Saudi Aramco Ventures, Shell Ventures, NOV, SCF Ventures, Eternal Energy, and Well Diver. Our next Denver Happy Hour will be on November 6th. Come join us for food, drinks, and a live podcast that we will announce at a later date. A portion of this event's proceeds will go to local charities, Safe House Denver, and Oil Field Helping Hands. Okay, now to the events on deck. The Tamora-Leste Oil and Gas Summit 2019 will be on October 3rd through 4th in Dilley, Tamora-Leste. The SMRP Third Quarter West Houston Chapter Meeting is on October 3rd at 1130 in Houston. This event will cover the topic, Are Your PMs Preventing or Causing Failures? IPAA and TIPRO are hosting their Leaders in Industry Luncheon on October 9th in Houston. On October 14th, the Canon will be having a Disruptive Energy Workshop. The API Golf Tournament will be held on October 14th, 2019. At Kingwood Country Club. And as of right now, there are some spots still open, so be sure to check their website and register your team. The 2019 Operations and Process Technology Summit will be on October 14th through 16th in San Antonio. The summit will cover maximizing your molecular advantage, practical solutions for today, forethought for tomorrow. On October 24th, OGGN's very own Mark Lacour will be speaking at Tech to Market in Shreveport, Louisiana. The Balkans Petroleum Conference will be held on October 24th through 25th in Budva, Montenegro. The summit is the official event for the Balkans oil and gas industries. Lastly, the George H. Bush Conference this year will be on October 28th through 29th in Houston. Honoring President George H.W. Bush, the Bush China Conference brings together Americans and Chinese to discuss critical bilateral, regional and global issues and to generate innovative recommendations for advancing the relationship
0: awesome thank you and anybody out there in the houston area interested in playing oilfield hockey come join the hack and whack crew for some old timer hockey we do it every two weeks at memorial city mall ice rink here in houston hit me up on linkedin for more details also if you're looking to get in shape for the fall this year if you got any vacations coming up hit up ktx fit in katie texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that i sent you and always, thank you so much for listening to Oil & Gas Onshore. If you're looking for more info, visit oilandgasonshore.com. And, Kirsty, thank you so much for joining me today. What's the best way for people to reach out to the group or just to get know, get to know more about you or your company aside from website? Is there any other stuff they can look up?
1: Yeah, so I guess LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. I'm always looking to meet new people. And okay. I, I post on that pretty actively.
0: Yeah, I see that. Well, we'll put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. And we'll pu- You guys obviously have a website, so I'll put the website link in there as well. And yeah, that's been a blast. Thank you so much. Safe travels back to Calgary. And always remember, folks, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, Christy.
1: Thanks. Yeah.
0: Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil & Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com.